I want you to take your Bibles or your apps on this Easter. And today we're going to be in the last chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 24. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Luke is located, uh, what I would encourage you to do is if you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents and there you're going to find that the Bible is broken up into two main sections, the Old and the New Testament. Now, Luke is the third book of the New Testament. So locate the New Testament. Three books in is the book of Luke, and you'll go all the way to the end, chapter 24. Now, if you're in an app, what I would encourage you to do is pull down the list of the books of the Bible. You'll find that Luke is about two-thirds of the way down that list. So just scroll down until you get to Luke and turn to chapter 24. Now, I have four amazing children at home, two of which are our own biological kids and two of which uh, are foster kids that we have been blessed to take care of. Uh, and three of those four are walking. Uh, and I don't know if you've got children or if you've been through the process of teaching a child to walk, but you know, there's that process where you, you set them down and maybe the other parent is a, is a few feet away and that parent is urging the child to walk towards them. And so the baby begins to kind of toddle towards the parent. But usually, or the way we did it, is there was always the other parent kind of behind them watching them, you know, ready to catch them if they fall. And I actually very fondly remember when our children would be learning to walk and walking towards my wife. Uh, when they would fall, I would be there and I would catch them. And as soon as they turned and looked up at me, they would get this big grin, this happiness on their face. You know, for many of our situations like that, many of the instances where we were doing this, my kids didn't even realize that, that me or my wife were behind them. Their focus was on the other parent that they were toddling toward. But we were always there to catch them. Whether they knew it or not, we were always there. And in today's passage, Jesus shows us how he's always there for us. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn now to Luke chapter 24. Now, if you were to read verses 1 through 12 of Luke 24, you would read the resurrection account of Jesus, how Jesus had died and three days later, he rose from the grave and how many of his followers were introduced or, or shown his resurrection and, and what was taking place. And this begins to unfold. It's almost like a developing story that begins with his death and then develops three days later with him rising from the grave. And then he begins revealing himself and teaching about his resurrection for the next 40 days. And in today's passage, we find one of the very first developing elements, the developing part of the story of the resurrection of Jesus. And so pick up with me in verse 13. So Luke chapter 24, verse 13, and it says this, that very day, meaning the very day of Jesus's resurrection, that very day, two of them, two followers of Jesus, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all of the things that had happened. 
While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, hold your place here. We're going to be coming back to this passage throughout this morning's message. But I want you to notice what's taking place. The very day that Jesus has risen from the grave, two of his followers are walking to a town that's about seven miles away. If you kind of calculate out, they were walking somewhere between two and three hours that day to get from Jerusalem to Emmaus, this town that they were traveling to. And they're walking along and having a discussion about what all has taken place. And later on, as we continue in this passage, we're gonna find out that they have been told, they're aware that Jesus has risen from the grave. And there are doubts, there are, there are questions about what's taking place there. But they're sad. Jesus comes along and he has hidden his, his true self from them. They're not aware that this is Jesus. And he asks them, hey, what are you guys talking about? And Cleopas, we don't know the other guy's name, but one of the guy's names is Cleopas. And Cleopas begins to tell him saying, hey, are you the only one in this area this, of a visitor that doesn't know what has taken place over the last few days? <laughs> I don't know about you, but can you imagine being Cleopas and, and being known in God's word for questioning Jesus about his own resurrection? Uh, kind of a funny side note. But I want to point out that the Bible tells us here that these two men are sad. They haven't wrapped their minds around what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing through his resurrection. So let's continue reading. Pick up with me now in verse 19. Verse 19. And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company have amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said to them that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found just as the women had said, but him they did not see. You can hear the sorrow as they begin to explain to this traveler that is actually Jesus, but they're not aware of it. You can hear the sadness almost in what is being written, what is being said here. You see, they explain and begin to unpack who Jesus was and what he taught and what they believed about him. But here's the thing. 
everything that they expected, everything that they wanted in Jesus was now gone. It, it went wrong. Something had happened in what they thought was going to happen with Jesus. And it wasn't what they expected. Look with me at verse 21 and what they tell him here. They say to Jesus, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. You see, they were looking, they were expecting a conquering king, not a suffering servant. If you were to go back into the Old Testament, remember that section, that first of the two sections of the Bible that the Bible's broken up into. In the Old Testament, there's a book called Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53, Isaiah prophesies, he foretells about the coming Messiah. And in those two chapters, Isaiah describes the Messiah, the one who would come and save all mankind, Jesus. He describes Jesus as a suffering servant. But so many of the people of Israel had missed that part of what Isaiah had taught. So they were expecting this conquering king and instead Jesus came as a suffering servant. And because their expectations had been dashed, they've become disillusioned and they are disheartened and they're kind of lost in their faith. They're struggling. They're sad. And so look with me now in the next section of this account. Verse 25. Here is Jesus's response to what they have told him. So verse 25, it says this. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Wow. Jesus comes along and he says to them, after they've explained and they've expressed, expressed their disillusionment and their, their, their struggle and their sadness and what has taken place, he begins to explain. He opens up the scriptures to help them see how the entire Bible points back to how Jesus will suffer for the sins of the people so that the people can be rescued. They can be saved from their sins. He gently corrects the misunderstandings, the misconceptions that these two men had about who Jesus was and would be. You see, they had in their minds what they wanted the Messiah to do and to be, but they missed what Jesus said the Messiah would do and be. And isn't it great that Jesus basically sits here and unpacks how the entire Bible points back to him. In the, the phrase that's used here in verse 27, it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that was a term, that was a phrase that was used back then to talk about, to describe the entire Bible as it, as it existed in Jesus's day. To say the Moses 
To say Moses and the prophets meant the entire Old Testament or what was known then as the Hebrew Bible. But Jesus gently unpacks what the Bible actually says about the Messiah, the Christ. And let me just say, everything in God's word points us back to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament, everything in the New Testament points us to the salvation that can only be found through Jesus Christ, through the cross and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus is correcting their misconceptions and they don't even realize it. And that brings me to today's big idea. If you've ever watched one of my messages, you know that usually I give one simple statement that summarizes that week's main point, that week's main idea of the message. And this week's big idea is this. Jesus is walking with us even when we don't see him. Jesus is walking with you, whether you realize it or not, whether you see him or not. Jesus right now, is walking with you. You see, he's with us whether we realize it or not. He's always helping. He's always directing our lives. And he's always giving us hope and faith, that hope and that faith that we need to move on, to continue on in our journey with Jesus. You see, when things are good, Jesus is there. When things are bad, even then, Jesus is there. But here's the thing. Most of the time, I would venture to guess that we struggle to see how Jesus is there. We don't recognize him or we don't recognize that the things that are happening are from him or that he's moving us through those things. Sometimes it's because we're not paying attention or we're not looking for Jesus in the situation we're in. Maybe We are looking for what we want instead of what Jesus wants. Just like these two men in in today's account of Jesus's life, sometimes we are wrapped up too much in what we want Jesus to do and we miss what Jesus wants to do. So we don't recognize him. We don't recognize his hand in our lives. Sometimes Jesus simply doesn't want us to know that it's him in what is happening. And he will later reveal what's going to happen. You know, in this passage right here, it says that they're walking with him. But in verse 16, it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Sometimes Jesus veils himself. He covers uh, his, his, what, has, what he is doing so that we can work through the process of having trust in him. So as we continue moving through this account, I don't want you to miss What happens next? So pick up with me in verse 28. So Luke 24, verse 28. So they've been walking with Jesus for a couple of hours now from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And look at what happens. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly saying, no, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. 
And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be there in this moment? You've been talking for a couple of hours with this stranger, this person you don't recognize, and he has unpacked how the Bible points to the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of the Messiah, the Christ. And then you get to your location and you encourage this person to come and stay the night with you because the day's getting uh, toward the end. And as you sit at a table, as you're fellowshipping, as you're, you're spending time hanging out with one another, this stranger breaks bread, which was a custom back then. You would break the bread and you would bless it and serve it from there. He, he breaks the bread and blesses it. And as he's doing this, something happens. God opens their eyes and they recognize that this stranger that they've been with for two hours is not just a stranger. He is the one and only Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus had revealed himself to them in a miraculous way. And I don't know about you, but when I, if I was in their shoes, my jaw would have hit the floor. I would have been amazed. I would have been blown away by the fact that I had been with this person for two hours and didn't even know that it was Jesus the entire time. So after they had invited him and sat with him and after he'd walked with them, he revealed himself. And hear me clearly on this. As Jesus walks with us, he also reveals himself to us. If I was to give two big ideas in today's message, this would be the other big idea. As he walks with us, he also reveals himself to us. You see, Jesus walks with you so that you can get to know him more. This is a journey that we're on with Jesus. We're on the road to some destination. And the road that we're on, the journey that we're in is just as important, if not more important than the destination, the, the, the end goal. So please hear me. This has been a crazy 12 months. This has been a difficult past year. Don't get disheartened. Don't get disillusioned. Don't be sad. Don't lose your trust, your faith in Jesus because Jesus is there whether you realize it or not. He is always walking with you. He is always guiding you and directing your steps, even when you don't know that you're being guided. And according to Romans 8, he has your best interests at heart, your best intentions through his plan. So when you feel lost, turn to Jesus. When you feel like there's no hope. Live in the life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus. And let me just say very quickly, maybe you're watching or listening right now and maybe you don't have Jesus. Maybe you're not 
following him. And, and maybe this, this, this presence, this walking with, this, the fact that Jesus is always there for us, providing hope and faith and love, maybe you're looking and hearing this and maybe that sounds really good. Maybe you could use hope. Maybe you could use the assurance that the Almighty God is walking with you. And if that's you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you uh, to think about this for just a moment. Jesus was and is the Son of God. He wasn't just a good prophet or a good teacher. He was literally the Son of God. He is the Son of God. And he came to this earth and he taught and he did miracles and he did all these wonderful things. But his primary purpose in coming to, to walk with us on this earth was so that he could die on a cross to save you from your sins. You see, we're all sinners in need of a savior. Our sin has condemned us to an eternity of suffering. But through the death of Jesus on that cross, you can be rescued, you can be saved from that eternal punishment and instead receive eternal life with him. And all that he asks is that you believe what the Bible says about him, you believe in him, that you commit your life to following him, to living the good, moral, godly, uh, loving life that he calls us to and that you go and tell others about him. If you have questions about Jesus, do not hesitate to ask those questions and get the answers that you need. You see, today is Easter, the day that we celebrate that Jesus died on a cross and three days later, he miraculously rose from the grave. He died and came back to life. And that resurrection, that coming back to life was a proclamation of victory over sin and death. And he wants to give you that victory. And if that's you, if you've got questions or, or you're ready to take that next step and begin following Jesus, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your device right now and I want you to open your texting app and I want you to text the word changing to 94000. We'll have someone reach out to you as soon as possible to answer any questions that you may have about Jesus. But don't hesitate to do that. If there's any time to begin asking about Jesus, Easter is that time, the time that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior. So do that now. Take your device and text the word changing to 94000 and we'll reach out to you. So Jesus has revealed himself to these men. And I want you to see now how this, this account, how this situation ends. Pick up with me in verse 32. Verse 32. And it says, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 
And those who were with him gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Keep in mind, they've already told us in this account, it was evening, it was getting late. And those two guys, after Jesus revealed himself to them, they got up and they journeyed back to Jerusalem so that they could go and tell the other followers of Jesus what had happened to them. Another two hours, two plus hours, they journeyed back because they wanted everybody to know that Jesus had indeed risen from the grave. You see, our response, whether we see his working or not, our response should always be the same. It should always be to follow Jesus more closely and to lead every generation to the life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus. I guarantee you, at that table when Jesus broke the bread and he blessed it and their eyes were opened and, and they got to see who it was that they were talking with, if Jesus had looked at them and said, now go and tell this to all the world, I guarantee you those two men would have immediately left that place and would have began telling the entire world that Jesus is alive. And our response is the same. We are called as Jesus reveals himself to us, as we get to know him more, as we follow him more closely, our response is always to continue following him more closely and to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. That's our calling. You see, today is Easter the day that we celebrate the rising from the dead of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this resurrection means that he is walking with you right now. He, he, he's not uh, coming and going. He is in your life all the time through the Holy Spirit. He is alive. And our life should reflect that fact that he indeed has risen from the grave. So how should your life reflect that? What would Jesus advise you to do in the situations that you find yourself throughout this week and this month? How is Jesus calling you to follow him more closely and to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus? My encouragement for you this Easter Sunday is this, live for him. Why? Because he's living. He lived, he died, he rose again, and he's alive now and he's alive in your life. So live for him. He is our living, resurrected King and Savior. And he has lived, died, and risen from the grave, and he's living in your life right now for one reason, because he loves you. So remember that today, as you celebrate Easter, whatever way you do that, remember that he has risen, and he's alive, 
and he's in your life whether you realize it or not. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is indeed alive. We praise you for that. And we pray that knowing that he is alive, knowing that he is alive and risen from the grave, we pray that you would help us to follow you even more closely and help us also to lead others, to lead every generation to the life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus. We thank you so much. And we praise you. You are the only one who deserves the glory and the honor and the praise. We thank you, Lord. And we pray all of this in the name of our loving, risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.